Hello, Rue. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm very good. It's been a long time. We haven't spoken for weeks. It's been a little while. We've, it's been holiday season yet again. What are you up to? I am sitting in my living room with a glass of milk in front of me. I think it's always good to get the beverages in to help people yep. set the scene for what we're doing. Uh, glass of milk. The fire's been on. It's just burning down now to a nice little ember. You've you've had the fire on? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, several times this week. Nice. How good, about you? Good August activity, that. Yes, nice uh, peak of the summer kind of thing to be doing. How about you? What yeah. are you up to? Much the same. I have a recently finished cup of tea beside me. Very pleasant. So I, I have no beverage for, for our conversation. The kids are asleep. Joe's gone to bed. All is good. It's been a while. We've both been on holiday. Yes. How did yours go? It was all a bit varied. <laughs> so we had a week down in Cornwall hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was Toby's fourth birthday whilst we were down there. Oh, congratulations, Toby. Happy birthday. Which added to the fun of packing to go down, because it meant we had to pack all his presents, which was interesting in itself, fitting into the car. And then we had a really good day. Um, his, uh, his grandparents and um, my brother and family, they all visited us for his birthday lunch as a surprise. He didn't know they were coming. Oh, very nice. But... The week as a whole, I don't think, was the most relaxing. Right. It was all very nice, all very lovely, but I think both the kids, both Toby being a four-year-old and Lauren being a six-month-old, they seemed to take turns and gang up on us oh, throughout no. the week. Really? Quite a tough time. Yeah, yeah. If it was, you know, Toby just being awkward and, and not really enjoying anything we were doing or, or just wanting to do different things... Them both waking us up repeatedly <laughs> most nights. That's a shame. It was. We sort of got back to back home and had a, quite a relaxing day at home before going back to work. Right. How about you? What have you been up to? Slightly more successful holiday. Uh, we had quite a nice time up in the Peak District, and Oliver, being very nearly eight months uh, and not yet having had any teeth through is struggling occasionally with, with teething uh, and occasionally needing to be topped up with uh, with Calpol and this wonderful discovery, uh, Calprofen. I think that's how I think I'm pronouncing that right. Right. Uh, which is Calpol, but an ibuprofen suspension rather than a paracetamol suspension. Right. And, of course, the convenient thing about those two liquids, those two wonderful magical liquids, <laughs> is that you can give them both. So you can right. uh, you can do the same as you do with uh, with grown ups with paracetamol and ibuprofen. You can either have them both at once, or even better, you can alternate. You can sort of have yes. have one, and then a few hours later have the other. Uh, so that's been uh, quite a relief to find that. Mm. Uh, but generally, he's been pretty good, uh, and he's been well. I don't know. Good. Good's the wrong word because he's a baby, so he's neither good <laughs> nor bad. But generally, he's been yeah. convenient. He's been easy, and he's been cruising a lot more so he's up on his feet um every opportunity uh he's crawling really fast we've just fitted a fire guard uh, which we talked about mm-hmm. a little bit last time um still no teeth yet but he's uh yeah he's changing quite fast and he's uh, developing ever so quickly at the moment yeah it's pretty scary uh we're eating more solids uh breastfeeding less the um health is to no what, what do you call it after you start seeing them and they stop seeing you you know the First of all, you see a midwife, then the health visitor comes and visits you, and yeah. then you visit the health visitor. Maybe it's maybe they're still called health yeah, visitors. Yeah, I think it's the same period. It's the clinic, you know, yeah, you, where you go get them weighed and that sort of thing. Yeah, the yeah. the knowledgeable 
older women. It's the baby weighing people, yeah. The baby weighing people suggested that um, Rachel cut down to three breastfeeds a day in order to encourage right. him to eat more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing occasional bottles, just, you know, just right. occasionally helps out. Which is great for me as well, because that means that if Rachel is out, then I can uh, be doing some of that. Because I remember when, you know, when we were away together a few weeks ago, mm. and Oliver was going all in for the grabbing the food and stuffing it in his face. Loving it. I have to keep in mind that, you know, Lauren's, what, five weeks behind. Yeah. But younger we're kind than. of... Younger than, yes. Okay. <laughs> I know what you that's mean. That's probably the slightly fairer way to describe <laughs> it, yes. And that's about... That must be about when we were away together, so aware that Oliver then was grabbing food and shoving his face, Lauren's only just started to show interest in holding stuff. Oh, right. And she doesn't really put it in her mouth. And it's quite funny. So we're still sort of spoon-feeding her um, solids, Mm. uh, whether it's mashed potato or something like that. Yeah. For the first couple of weeks of doing that, she would sit in her high chair looking like a 100-metre runner crossing the line, her arms <laughs> splayed as far back as she can get them and leaning forward. Oh, wow. Face and forward, a, I'm, yeah, I'm ready for you to feed just me. arms pushed right back, wow. so there's no sense that she's trying to get her hands involved in her eating. Oh, that's really funny. Um, yeah, it's really funny to see, but more recently she's taken to, you know, you, putting down carrot sticks or putting them in her hand, and she does wave them around a bit, and you can sort of nudge her hand to try and put the thing in her mouth, and she will go for it. Because hmm. um, she has two teeth. And that's the other thing. She's got two teeth at the bottom on the front. Yes, this was the latest which, um, news when we, we spoke last time, I think. They had just come through. Um, I don't think we've had any more, but again, I think some of the fun we had on holiday was, I think she's um, struggling with some more of them. So again, we, yeah, we were on, we've been on the cowpole pretty regularly over <laughs> the past couple of weeks yeah so she's she's not going for the baby led weaning yet you know she's not quite showing the signs for it but but suddenly every meal she sits up with us and she has a bowl of something mm. which is good she's not crawling yet mm-hmm. she's she sits up absolutely perfectly um she doesn't she's showing no signs of wanting to roll over <laughs> at all mm-hmm. but we noticed just this evening if you still sit in front of her with her sat legs in front and you hold your two hands out in front of you just this evening, she reached out, put her hand in each of yours. Oh, wow. And then stand up. Oh, well, really? She, she's straightening hauling, her legs out? Yeah, she basically hauls herself up onto her feet so she's standing. <laughs> Just, I mean, we, we, we found she would do that if you sort of encouraged her, pulled her up with her. Yeah. But this evening, just just holding your hands still and just maybe just holding them slightly so they don't slip. And she's doing it all by herself, so... <laughs> Yeah, we're wondering if she's just going to skip crawling <laughs> yeah, go straight to cruising. She won't bother with crawling on her knees. She'll just go straight to standing yeah. up wherever she wants to. Brilliant. Yeah. The other thing that we've been enjoying the last few days is uh, he's, we've been doing baby signing with Oliver. Right. Uh, and he started just beginning to show signs of signing when he wants milk. He does the hand squeezy, mm-hmm. sticking the thumb up sign. Yeah. Uh, his isn't quite as good as when we do it, but, you know, he's he's a baby. He'll get the hang of it. <laughs> you forgive him that. Exactly. Yeah. And the other one he does is uh, the sign for, I don't know if it's for tired or sleep. It means pretty much the same thing anyway to him, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of rubbing your hand behind your ear on your head. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure if he's doing that because we've done that a lot when it's been, you know, when he's been tired and it's been time for bed. Or if 
the reason that the sign is that is because that's what babies do when they're tired. But either way, he's signing. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. We're going to count it as a, as a victory. Yeah, definitely. It was quite funny when when we were down in Cornwall seeing my brother. He's My nephew is one. And they've done baby signing with him since he was quite small. Mm. Yeah, if he wants something, if he's tired, if he wants some food, if he wants cuddles with someone. But the really good one is um, whenever he hears a bird... He'll sort of point in the direction and do the, the birds. Oh, sign. that's lovely. Um, which is, yeah, it's good fun. That's so, really cool. Is he starting to speak as well? Uh, he, not not intelligible words. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's still just sounds, but he's definitely sort of backing up the signs he makes with noises that... <laughs> that's so cool that he can make himself understood yeah. as well. That's really lovely. Yeah. Baby dads! We've had not one but two birth announcements from regular listeners since we last put out an episode. First from part-time Bob Ferris, a.k.a. The Big Nath, whose new arrival Abigail Rose Delgano was born on the 15th of August 2014. The family, including uh, Rose's big sister, are all very excited. So it's fantastic news. Yes, thank you. And also uh, Derek Murphy, who says, Please welcome to the world Martha Murphy, born on the 15th of July. Mother and child both doing great. We attended the Coombe Hospital in Dublin. Staff and facilities were excellent. Oh, congratulations, Derek. That's brilliant. Um, and long-term listeners will recognise uh, both of those names. Uh, these are people who've been with us for quite a long time and uh, we're really excited to share your news with you. It's really, really cool. Yes, and hopefully you can start putting some of our invaluable advice <laughs> to good practice. Uh, you can start realising where we've got it entirely wrong and you can... Start sharing your experiences as you go along. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to hearing from you as, uh, as things start changing in your life, which no doubt they, they will very soon. As they're just about to from somebody else who's been in touch, Matt Arnold emailed to say that he and his wife are expecting their first child on 3rd of November, not long now. They're going to have it after 37 weeks due to some complications, which apparently aren't uh, anything too serious or scary, but uh, just means that the baby's expected at, at 37 weeks and will definitely be induced, uh, I suppose, unless it comes sooner than that. So, Matt asks, as a dad, what can I expect from the induction process? Uh, I know that beardy dads have had experience with inductions, and he wondered if there was anything that we wish that we'd known beforehand. Well, Nick, over to you. Your your second was... Uh, was uh, both. Both, yeah, were, right. both were induced. What do I wish I knew? Well, I think when we went in, um, for both of them, they we got the long talk how... Just because they're being induced, it could still be overnight. You know, it could still take quite some time. But for both of us, the experience was within uh, two hours, three hours of of starting the inducement. In fact, Lauren, they didn't even induce. She just decided to arrive coincidentally at the same time. But no, with Toby, who was induced, it all happened very quickly. You You think... You think you could be there for hours upon hours, but I think we were two hours, if that. And Joe was then in the delivery room and things were happening. So That sounds uh, pretty easy then. Matt's got nothing to worry about. Well, that's it. I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think we did have it particularly easy. I don't think there was anything particularly I wish I'd known ahead of time. We Being prepared for it to be a long experience... I, th- I think we'd known enough going in that it could be 12 hours, 16 hours, whatever. So we were prepared for that. But then it wasn't needed as as it happened. Mm. So um, so in terms of what you can expect, 
I think the 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 basic process of you you just turn up by appointment. Um, if you get the mum settled in, they do uh, get them up on a heart rate monitor, both her and and the baby, and do a few prods and checks just to check where everything's at. Then there's, I think they have various things they could do, things like doing a sweep to try and encourage things to start happening. They can burst the waters manually um, or they can uh, move straight to giving the drugs to actual the actual induction drug. To... And it's basically a hormone drip, isn't it? I don't think it was a drip, actually, for Joe. I think it was a, a pill um, oh, right. of some sort. OK. Uh, yes, I think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it wasn't a drip in our case. But anyway... You take that pill, and then you know you you're just then sitting around waiting for things to start happening. The thing to be prepared for, having said for us, it was really quick. Be prepared for all of that to happen, and then you do have to sit around and wait. Yes, <laughs> we've had friends who've um, got to the stage where the baby's been induced, and they've uh, you know started the process, and then ended up needing to go for a walk around the hospital, you know, mm. being, being ready, um, but yet at the same time being quite patient as well. So, uh, yeah, I suppose our advice, Matt, is basically be cool. It might be very easy. It might be that you have a bit of bit of a wait in front of you. Um, but, yeah, once, once you're in the hospital and uh, things have started, then you're in a very good place. You've got a lot of uh, people who know what they're doing around you. So hopefully it will go swimmingly well. Yes, yes, good luck. Do let us know how you get on. Yeah, looking forward to news from you early November. Phil Saunders has uh, very kindly sent us a recorded contribution. Uh, He's the dad of three-month-old twins, Jacob and Zachary, and uh, as you'll hear, he's got a really good tip for us. So picture the scene. It's four in the morning. Uh, Your baby's just woken up, has gone from completely asleep to completely awake and in full grizzle, very very quickly and it's up to you to get downstairs as quickly as possible uh, make some formula milk to deal with the uh, rampant hunger uh, the problem with this uh, is you get downstairs you've got to fill up the kettle boil the kettle uh, make the formula and then cool it to an acceptable temperature that isn't going to burn your delicate baby's throat and you test this with a precise and sensitive piece of equipment the skin on your wrist and all of this takes somewhere between five ten uh, 15 minutes, who knows, depending on how quickly you can cool down the uh, the formula. Now, some bottles have air holes in the bottom to uh, somehow stop colic happening or not. Um, and this presents a problem because when you stand them in uh, cold water, the, uh, the cold water sort of seeps in, um, which can, turns your nice sterile uh, bottle into a non-sterile uh, poison canister, I guess, for babies, which is bad. Another situation might be that uh, you've got a four o'clock feed, so rather than faffing out trying to cool down the bottle, you uh, make it a little bit ahead of time. You, you get yourself ready, you make it at three, so you know that at four o'clock it's going to be perfectly at uh, the right temperature. Only you've forgotten to do that and it's, and it's five to four and your baby is just winding up ready to let rip uh, and let you know that you've forgotten to do something. So what you need is something that can cut down the, the faff and actually just bake the formula milk ready to go. You'll be pleased to know that such a product exists and it comes from the baby Goliath that is Tommy Tippy and it's called the Tommy Tippy Closer to Nature Perfect Prep Machine which is a bit of a mouthful um, but 
to think about it another way it's it's a bit like a nespresso or a tassimo but for uh, formula milk so the way it works is hit the button boiling water goes onto your powder uh, you shake it to sterilize the powder and then you put it under the the nozzle again hit the button again and then it tops it up to the number of fluid ounces that you need the killer part is it comes out at the perfect drinking temperature for the baby and it takes uh, less than two minutes um, so rather than faffing around trying to cool down the bottles, it actually comes out ready to go. It costs about 70 to 80 quid. You can probably pick it up on, pick it up on eBay, a bit cheaper than that. Um, but it was it's money well spent. We use it uh, throughout the day when we're doing our formula feeds. And as I said, at night in case of emergency. So well worth looking into if you're going to be formula feeding a lot. And yet another great Tommy Tippy product there, Nick. <laughs> yes, we really should look at getting some sponsorship in place. <laughs> if only they would. You've been using bottles for a while. I mean, what what sort of setup have you been using? We don't have a uh, a Tommy Tippy Perfect Prep machine or anything like it, really. We've got um, a range of bottles. We've been trying different uh, teats and nozzles and sippy cups and you know various different ways of getting getting milk and water now as well mm-hmm. uh, into Oliver. But in terms of like making the preparation yeah yeah we've been sadly lacking any sort of automatic (laughs) heating (laughs) preparation machine it's uh, yeah it is a bit of a pain in the bum i must say it's it's not the easiest and quickest thing and if you want to do it in a hurry uh it's definitely one of those things that you um well occasionally we'll use um powder and Mm -hmm. and mix it up and sometimes just for convenience we'll have a few bottles of um that very very handily pre-prepared yeah formula mix where you just peel off the silver foil and away you go and yeah uh, yeah no that's for for convenience sake that is that is a very handy liquid mm. yeah I, I remember toby because we moved wholesale over to bottles uh, when he was about six months and yeah prepare yeah just from the cost point of view getting the the powder formula yeah having to mix up bottles at like 3 a.m to try and settle him and you're trying to cool things down and <laughs> yeah i remember that being very painful and um I think we it took us a while to catch on to the idea of just having a supply of the pre-mixed bottles. Um, did you switch over to doing that, or did you end up with, with both? We, we, I think we stuck with both, because mm. if you can spare the time to do it with the powder, you could save so much money. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. As, as we were doing solely doing the bottle, you know, we were getting through quite a lot. I liked Phil's comments about the whole... Um, the fact once you've sterilised something, as soon as you've... It's, yeah, if you accidentally break the seal or something, then it suddenly becomes this this well full of germs and no longer sterile. And how can you possibly let your baby touch it? Ticking time bomb, just waiting to go off. Yeah, I think it was earlier this week. There was a Horizon TV program on on the BBC all about allergies, hmm. and I didn't see it. So everything I'm going to say is based on me not having seen the program, <laughs> but. In talking about it with colleagues at lunchtime today, apparently it was it was a very interesting program, and I'm going to go back and watch it because it was about, um, well, I gather it was about uh, children raised in a very sterile environment tend to have more allergies. That's interesting because they're just not exposed at an early age to stuff <laughs> to the world, um, whereas children who aren't uh, brought up in a very sterile environment have fewer allergies because you know, stuff gets into their system and yeah. their system learns to deal with it from a much younger age. Yeah, so, that makes so much sense. And that's been my assumption for 
for years, totally uninformed without any research or, or science behind it. Yeah. I've just always assumed that you can go too far with these things. And if you yeah. lock, lock a child up in a plastic bubble and never let them eat dirt, then the first time that any dirt does get near them, then it's going to be very bad for them. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a, a sensible level of cleanliness and sterilising <laughs> things. You know, yeah. we're not talking just don't bother washing. Yeah, but... Yeah, you're right. You can you can take things too far. Well, that's homework for both of us this week. Then is to find yes. Horizon on iPlayer. That's it, and, and and I recommend to our listeners who are interested in that subject, or indeed if you have a view, do get in touch. As many of our lovely listeners have done, as ever, you can reach us at Beardy Dads on Twitter and podcast at BeardyDads.co.uk is our email address. Speaking of lovely listeners and contributions, we've had a weaning tip from Anton, who says bananas are trisymmetric. Push a thumb in the end of a peeled banana and it splits into three less slippery segments. I read this some days ago and mm. I've seen bananas in passing since, but I haven't uh, been in a situation to try sticking my thumb into the end of a banana. <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to it though, because my assumption is that this is utter bobbins and that if I stick my thumb in the end of a banana, I'm going to get a banana with a hole in it. Whilst I haven't done it exactly that way, I can very much picture how a banana does you can sort of prise apart these three segments so it'll be interesting to see i want to try it yeah whilst we're talking about bananas mm. it makes me think of uh, a tip a recipe i don't know where joe got it from but um peel a bunch of bananas uh break them up into you know reasonable sized chunks you could shove f- your thumb in the end if you wanted to you could if you wanted to yeah but the point is, break them up into various size chunks and then freeze them. Okay. Okay, so you've got a bag of frozen banana bits. Gotcha. Then... Eat them. Well, you could just eat them like that, but if you take some of those frozen banana bits and stick them in a blender... Ooh, banana smoothie frozen. It makes a lovely banana ice cream-like oh, thing. Oh, that's great. But it's only got banana in it. And it's sort of got ice crystals um, and yeah, and texture it, of banana all in one. That's great. Exactly. It's, it's an interesting texture. Now, oh, I'm not just wow. saying this as a recommendation for, for the listeners to go and try it. <laughs> this is in the context of making a nice baby-friendly you know, dessert. Especially that, babies who are teething. Yeah. Nice cooling on the oh, gums. Very soothing. All good stuff. And it's, it's just so quick and easy. That's and great. it's only got banana in. It's not got any um, artificial nastiness or anything like that. You can put some flavouring in if you want. Yeah, you could add some artificial nastiness. You could add some of the nastiness if you <laughs> put want. Put some dirt in. Yeah. We've done something not quite as fancy. We've frozen slices of melon. And right. Oliver's enjoyed gumming on a bit of frozen melon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find if you take it out of the freezer and then run it under the tap for a few seconds just to yeah. take off the worst of the potential sure. like yeah. you know, freezer burn uh, riff, <laughs> yes. uh, that wouldn't be good sort of getting melon stuck to your gums. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, he loves it, and it's uh, mm. it's obviously with with uh, mid teething. Uh, yeah, it's a, a nice thing to have frozen stuff in your mouth. Yeah, we've we've got a big thing of frozen carrot sticks. Oh, nice! The, the you know the bag of carrots they were all on the turn, so we <laughs> quickly cooked, cut you know peeled, cut them all up, cooked them, and then froze them. And yeah, they come out slightly rubbery, <laughs> which again slightly <laughs> weird, but perfect for for babies to play with. That's ideal. Yeah. Baby dads. So, Rue, I've just thought of one of the things that typifies why my holiday was so troublesome. Oh, tell me. Well, it was the journey back from the in-laws. Um, it was 
it's meant to be like a four and a half hour journey um, down down the motorway, but it turned into like a six and a half hour tour of service stations because Lauren needed feeding and weaning. And yeah, it wasn't a fun journey back. Mm. But what kind of sealed the deal was at one of the service stations, it was time for a toilet break for the kids. So we went as a family into one of the baby changing rooms at the service station. Mm. Toby sits on the loo and is about to go to the toilet. Joe has taken down the, you know, folded down the changing mat and is changing Lauren. I'm stood in front of Toby and we're just chatting and suddenly I'm getting wet. Oh no. Toby hasn't quite paid attention to what he's doing and he's not pushed things down. <laughs> the so angle of the dangle was wrong. The angle of the dangle isn't down and oh he's spraying me with his wee all over my trousers. Oh dear. Which makes me exclaim slightly, mm-hmm. but it's fine, you know. Which, of course, makes Joe turn round and say, oh, you know, so we're dealing with that. She turns back, halfway through changing Lauren's <laughs> nappy, and Lauren is weeing as well, all over the changing mat, all over her clothes, all over everything. At oh. which point, you know, I think Joe and I just looked at each other and just said, you know, this, this, this is our holiday. What have we our done? children have weed on us in unison. Simultaneous, Simultaneous parental weeing. Yeah. Oh, and it was, And it was only... By chance that you know this had happened coming back from holiday, so I had clothes in the car for me to change. And you know, yeah, I don't normally take spare clothes. In there. Yeah, if you'd just been going to the fun play area, whatever those things are yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, you know, to the soft play. Yeah, we take spare clothes for the kids because you never know what's going to happen. You don't expect yourself to get anointed. So. You, don't, you don't bring spare jeans to that sort of no. thing. No. So anyway, that oh, that yeah. was it. Was a, a magical moment that I'm sure will will always treasure was it hysterical did you actually find it funny at the time or was it only in retrospect that you've enjoyed this i think once we'd all got back into the car all got changed i think joe and i had at that point we'd we'd kind of yeah it it wasn't the final straw if you see what i mean it, i think at that point we were already fairly uh resigned to what was happening <laughs> nice and so uh yeah presumably you've learnt to keep a closer eye on Toby's angle. Yes. Yeah. See, normally he's very good, but he's um because he starts school in two weeks' time. Wow. Um, which is weird in itself, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks' time. But um, yeah, we're still not we're still having the occasional wet accident, and he's not out of nappies overnight yet. So mm. yeah, we're still. I think we're struggling slightly just to get that that over that last little bit of being fully fully um just aware of when he needs to go to the. It's mostly he just gets distracted and too engrossed in something. And yeah. and he admits it. I mean, he says, yeah, I've had an accident, I was too busy playing or something. Yeah, if you're enjoying life, it's not something yeah. that you, you remember to make time for, is it? Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> We've had an email from David Jackson, whose baby Ethan arrived back in July uh, via emergency C-section. Uh, and David remembers that there's nothing scarier than watching the midwives press the emergency button and a gang of staff rushing in donning gloves. That's, uh, yeah, sounds mm. familiar, David. Yep, not fun. Ethan, however, was uh, born weighing eight pounds, three ounces. And after five weeks, he's up to 10 pounds, 10 ounces. So, so all's going well there. David has a question, though. Colic. Does anyone have any good methods for reducing colic? Uh, he says that he bought some Tommy Tippy bottles, which say they're supposed to be good for it. And... David, I would say, being a massive fan of Tommy Tippy, uh, I, I have tried these bottles. Uh, this is the advanced comfort one. 
and uh, I've tried them and yet I have no way of knowing whether they're any good for colic because uh, I'm delighted to say that Oliver's never shown any signs of it. Mm. So I, I don't know whether having them helped or whether even if we hadn't had them it wouldn't have made a difference. We didn't we didn't use them exclusively. So uh, yeah, not, not any very good science from me on this one I'm afraid. Um, but Nick, I, I don't think that either Toby or Lauren have have had massive problems with colic either, have they? No, no. I, we've we've been fortunate enough not to have had any colic. Whether that's because what we did prevented it, or yeah, I, I don't. Because we've not had it, I've not really gone to find out what what it's all about. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, I um, I know that it's loud crying that goes on for a long time, but I don't know anything more than that. Yeah. So I think this is a good one to open out to the audience. I'm sure there must be listeners out there who have had um, plenty of experience of colic, of dealing with it, of what it's all about. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, um, David's David's asking for advice, so we are passing that question on to you. Yes, Do- we are literally clueless. We don't even know what it is. So um, we've got at least two GPs listening to the show regularly. We've got lots of listeners who've presumably suffered and dealt with uh, this over the years. So please do get in touch. Uh, Either send us your tips in email form or you could even record yourself and attach that recording into an email. uh, Podcast at beardydads.co.uk Beardy Dads. We've had another email from uh, a listener, Dan Broman, who um, is the proud father of five soon to be six this March. That's a lot of children. That is a lot of children. That's a lot of experience. Dan actually points us in the way of a Kickstarter he's he's created. Going back to, I think, some of the things we've talked about in the past around whether you want to set up an email account for your kids where you can send them email or you want to try and capture some of the memories of what's going on. His Kickstarter project is called The Funny Book and it's an app to uh, easily document and share the funny things your kids say when you're out and about and on the go. So just a really quick, easy way to to capture those little priceless sort of snippets they come up with that you can't really capture with a photo or you know, you're not likely to get on video. So, yeah, nice little, nice little idea for an app. It's on Kickstarter to try and get some funding backing it. I think it looks quite fun, Rue. It does. As with most Kickstarter projects, there are lots of different uh, funding levels. So if you want to back it... Um, the $25 level will get you a copy of the app when it's built. And uh, yeah, it looks really interesting if you think that that sounds fun. And frankly, anyone who has had five children moving on to their sixth probably knows a lot more about parenting than we do. It's probably yeah. quite a good idea. We should probably look into this. Yeah. Yeah. So I say it looks quite fun. Go and have a look. Um, and good luck with the project, Dan. We've had not one, not two, not three. We've had four reviews since our last episode, Nick, on iTunes. That's Awesome. And as ever, with our iTunes reviews, I think we should read them out on air. Given that there's four of them, we should probably do it fairly quickly. Yeah. Okay. So, first one from Solidus. Uh, five-star review. He says, fantastic for dads and dads-to-be. Love this podcast. I was recommended this by a new dad, and I'm expecting myself. After starting up my own blog and Twitter feed, it's great to get tips and advice from people going through it themselves. I've even taken some of the tips and got them in place ready for baby in six weeks' time. Keep it up, fellow dads. Uh, and this is signed off by at daddy to be. We've had another five star review from Nascentians entitled "I'm so glad this exists." He says, "Thanks for taking the time to do this, guys. This is a great guide for a dad to be. Looking forward to many more episodes." So are we, Nascentians. 
Uh, we've had a five-star review from D. Cushman UK, who says, My brother-in-law, Cy Winter, suggested this podcast to me as my wife and I are expecting our first in December. Currently on episode 12 at the moment, and been laughing out loud constantly. After every podcast, I think, oh, I'll ask this question, only to have it answered by the guys on the next podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. It's actually nice hearing that I'm not the only one out there who isn't 100% sure what's going on or what to do, and even better to hear everyone else's answers and different opinions. Excellent. And then we've had one from Mozzarella Zero. Five-star review, compelling listening for sans and dads to be. And his review reads, Father 2A. And it truncates at that point. Yeah. I like to believe that he was just about to start typing, Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. It could well be. So, Mozzarella Zero, if you are a real listener, thank you for your review. If you want to expand on it, feel free. Um, but it's always good to hear from our, from our listeners. And everyone else who has contributed to our episode this week in one way or other, and um, other people who've been talking to us and about us this week, thank you all. That includes Lopter, Jamie Smith, Stu Parkin, Chris Hogburn, Andrew Wheaton, and Peter Fletcher. And of course, thank you to the lovely Wes West for the theme tune. And thank you to you, Nick. And you, Rue. I'm looking forward to catching up again soon. Yes, we should definitely do that, Rue. Have a good couple of weeks. Yeah, see you soon. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.